be seated. So last week we began talking about the power of forgiveness and we began to see how forgiveness transforms our lives as followers of Christ and how it has the power to transform any life. And if we don't believe that as followers of Christ, then what are we doing? If we don't believe that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ can transform any life, what are we doing? We believe that what Jesus Christ did on the cross can revolutionize anyone No matter where they are, where they have been, what they have done, we believe that the power of the blood of Jesus can cleanse us and make us new. And this week we're going to build on that because do you remember what Paul said last week as he was talking to those believers in Colossae? He said this, he said, forgive whatever grievances you have against one another and be reconciled to each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do you remember that? And we had to dig into that a little bit because we had to talk about what was that Colossian community like before they came to know the Lord? What were some of those folks like? And we saw that in that community there were Jews and there were Greeks. We saw that there were slaves and that there were freemen. But we also saw that before that church was formed, some of those followers of Christ had been barbarians. They had been men and women who were foreigners to Rome, who were foreigners to culture, foreigners to the gospel, and that the power of the gospel reached them anyway. And then we even looked and saw that some of those folks were what? the Greeks called Scythians. They were this especially brutal group of barbarians who were warlike, who were bloodthirsty, who were the outside dregs of anything that you would consider civilized. But in some way, by the power of the Holy Spirit, those men and women came to faith as well. And the Lord Jesus began to transform their hearts and their minds and to make them new people. And Paul could say with that community, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now I want to build on that a little bit by taking and seeing what Jesus himself said about our responsibility to forgive. It's one thing for Paul to say, bear with each other and forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's a whole other thing when we hear it from the mouth of Jesus himself. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. This will be a familiar passage to the majority of us, even if you're not familiar with the Bible or familiar with church, because this is the Lord's Prayer. And many of us have heard this on a a television show or in a movie. You've had some level of exposure to this. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, we're always going to be teaching out of the Bible. So why don't you grab one of the blue ones in the pews like I have, and you can just follow along with me. Matthew chapter 6 is on page 1508. And you can follow along as we begin in verse 9. Jesus has been traveling. His ministry has just begun. He's been teaching these disciples, but also these crowds who have begun to follow Jesus everywhere because of the miracles he does and the things that he teaches that no one's ever heard before and the things he says about God that no one's ever heard taught by the religious leaders before. And so they're flocking to Jesus. And at one point, Jesus' followers say to him, Lord, I want you to teach us how to pray. You know, they observed how Jesus prayed. They observed what it was like for him to get up early in the morning, commune with his father. And so they say to him, you know, Master, I want you to teach us how to pray. What should we pray? What should we say that pleases the Father? How do we please the Father like you please the Father when you pray? And listen to how he responds to this. Verse 9, Matthew 6. This then is how you should pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now as we hear Jesus teach his followers to pray, there's some things in here that's stunning to me. Maybe not to you, but as I read this prayer, there's some things that really catch my attention. If I was thinking that Jesus was going to teach his disciples what to pray for, I totally understand the pray and learn how to praise the Father and say that he is holy, he's, he's holy and lifted up above everything else. I understand the request to give us our needs, give us our, today our daily bread. I understand the needs of, of a blessing us and that your will will be done on earth. And then I even understand in verse 12 where he says, and forgive us our debts, but Jesus smuggled something in in the back part of that because Jesus likes to do that. He likes to take us in one direction and then he likes to hook us with something else. Look at what he says. I want you to pray to the Father and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I didn't expect that to be coming in the prayer that I'm supposed to pray on a regular basis. And here's what's interesting to me. He follows it up in verse 14 and 15. The only part of this prayer that he bothers to give commentary on or to explain in depth, guess what part it is? That part. Listen to this in verse 14 and 15 again. Basically referring back to verse 12. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I'm going to pull back the curtain for you a little bit and, and talk to you about Preacher 101. There are some sermons, boy, I really love to preach. They just preach themselves and they're so fun and easy to prepare. And then there are some that are incredibly hard to preach. And you know what the hardest ones to preach are when Jesus gets hard with us. Boy, we love Jesus to be graceful to us. We love it when Jesus gives us a comforting, merciful word. But there were times in Jesus' ministry, he said hard truths in very hard ways. And those are my least favorite ones to preach. And if you'll be honest, those are your least favorite passages to read too. We like a soft and cuddly Jesus. But Jesus was not a soft and cuddly Jesus. He was the one that would look at Pharisees and say, you're a brood of vipers. He would say, you're whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. And he's also the Lord and Savior that said, if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. We're talking about the power of forgiveness and let me just share with you another insight I've gained as a pastor. I have found 
that when people learn to forgive in their walk with the Lord, it catapults their relationship with the Lord to a new place. But when we struggle to forgive those around us, it places a barrier in our walk with the Lord that is virtually impossible to overcome without the Holy Spirit's intervention in our lives. I have seen good men and women of God who have been paralyzed and crippled in their relationship with the Lord for years because of an unwillingness to forgive. So when we talk about the power of forgiveness, it's not just the power that comes to us as Christ brings forgiveness to our life. There is also a power that comes to us as we offer forgiveness to others around us. So what I want to do is, I want to be incredibly practical with us today because here's what the enemy always wants to do when you're preaching a hard sermon like this. He always wants to come and he wants to sow misunderstanding into what's said and he wants to come and sow confusion. So I want to encourage you to do a few things. One, we always put notes in the bulletin for you and I encourage you, please write these down because you need to sit before the word of God and you need to study these on your own and you need to formulate your own questions. But inside of your bulletin, you also have this section called Going Deeper. I don't know if you flip open in one of the tabs, if you can see that. I don't know if you see that every week, but I always put a section called Going Deeper. And what that helps you do is for the rest of the week, take the truths of what's taught on stage and to go deeper with them in your walk by thinking more deeply on them. Or maybe I'm going to give you another passage. This week, I really encourage you, please take time to sit down and spend time in that Going Deeper because it's going to help you unpack some of what we're talking about this morning. But as we are called to forgive, here's the number one question that I have whenever someone runs across this passage or whenever someone sits under this teaching is, Pastor Matt, are you saying that if I don't forgive those around me that somehow I can lose my salvation or that the Lord removes my salvation from me? That's not what Scripture says there. Jesus is talking to believers, and here is the hard truth. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, your sins were covered once and for all. And your position with the Father is eternally secure. But even as a follower of Christ with a secured position before the Father, I still fall into sin every single day, and so do you. And when that happens, what do I do? I go to the Lord and the conviction of the Holy Spirit rests on me and I say, Lord, forgive me for lying today or forgive me for being greedy today or forgive me for lusting today or whatever else it is. And that forgiveness comes again and again and again. And what Jesus is saying here is when we choose to be unforgiving, then that relationship with the Lord is blocked. It's not destroyed. But it's like there is a distance between you and the Lord until that forgiveness is extended to others. And you know why that's true? Because the Lord is saying to you, look at what I have forgiven you for. Look at what I have cleansed in your life. How can you say you have fellowship with me but not extend the same grace to someone who has wronged you. Listen, I don't want to downplay any wrong that has been done to any person in this room, but I want to tell you this. Whatever's been done to you, it is nothing compared to what you did to Jesus. 
We don't have revelation and understanding of how wicked and sinful we have been to the Lord, how we have denied him, we have been his enemy, and how our sin cost him his life and sent him to the cross. We have no understanding of this. And I don't want to downplay any hurt that you have, but our hurt is nothing compared to the hurt that he bore. Because he didn't just bear Brandon's hurt and my hurt, he bore the hurt of the entire world and the betrayal of the entire world. He is the one who can say to me, you must forgive your enemies because I forgave you. I forgave you. So let's be as practical as I can possibly be with you. Are you ready? What is forgiveness and what's not? Let me give you some truths about forgiveness. Number one, forgiving someone is not excusing what has been done to you. I think that is one of the hangups that the enemy sends into our heart whenever we're challenged to forgive someone. We think this, if I forgive them for what they've done, then all the consequences and all of that, it's fine what they did. I'm saying it's fine. It's not saying it's fine. Here's why that's true. When Jesus forgives me of lust, He's not saying, son, it's okay for you to lust, I forgive you. That's not what he's saying. What he says is, lust destroys you. Lust is a sin against what I created in this creation. I forgive you, but it's not okay. But what we do is we equate forgiveness with saying it's okay. That's not biblical. God would never say our sin is okay. He would just say it's forgiven. And it's true for us too. You do not have to excuse what someone has done to you to extend forgiveness to them. Are you with me? Number two, it's also not releasing them from the consequences of their actions. God forbid that someone in this room has been sexually abused as a child, physically abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused. But if that came to light and our government interferes in your family and removes you from that environment because of that hurt. You are called to forgive that person who has wronged you and who has sinned against you. But that doesn't mean that they don't have to take the consequences for what their actions brought on them. That doesn't mean that you don't have a right to go to court and say, this is what that person did to me. Whatever the law says they deserve, they deserve. Forgiving them does not remove the consequences of their actions. And we have to be people who not only stand for forgiveness, but we stand for justice. Because justice honors the Lord too. We are people of truth. We are people of justice Forgiveness is not saying it's all right. It wasn't three months ago in Chicago that a family was traveling down the road. A man jumped into their car, shot the father right there in front of them, and left the mother and the two daughters in the back seat. And what was stunning to me is a national program was interviewing that mother the next day. They had caught the man. He was in custody. And this is what she said. She said, I forgive him. I forgive him. And when that commentator heard that, he was so stunned by that. Just, an, just a day after, he was so stunned by that, he said, how could you forgive him? She said, I'm a follower of Christ. I don't have a choice as to whether or not I forgive him. The law will do what they want, but I have to forgive him. 
And then that commentator, and believe me, it was not a Christian channel. It was just a news channel that was so incredulous that someone would have that attitude. They said, how can you do that? I don't understand how you can muster that up. And they said, that is what the Lord has done for me. I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice as to whether or not I can forgive them. We are called to forgive, but that doesn't mean the consequences of someone else's actions are not a part of their life. Number three, forgiving someone doesn't require you to allow that person into your life again. This is another big misconception. Let me especially say this to any of you that, again, God forbid, have been abused in a relationship, whether it's a child, maybe a spouse, a husband, a wife, whatever else it is, listen to me. You can forgive that person, but that doesn't mean you have to continue to subject yourself to abuse in that household anymore. You need to hear that. Forgiving them does not open the doors again into your life. In fact, I think scripture says to guard your heart. And if you're a parent, you're required to guard your children. You're required to guard your children from anyone that would harm them. I can forgive someone without allowing them access into my life. I had a family member that molested another member of my family. I made a choice that was incredibly difficult to forgive, and believe me, I am still walking down that path of forgiveness. I have to forgive them again and again and again. That person is still in the atmosphere, still in the the circumference of my world. That person will never have access to my children. He won't. Why? He's lost the right to do that. I have given up my right to take revenge on him. I've given up my right to hold unforgiveness against him. But he no longer has rights to access my children just because I've forgiven him. And I'm listening to you. I want want you to hear this because predators will tell you different. A predator will tell you, if you've really forgiven me, you'll let me be part of your life again. And what you need to say is, no, that's not required of me. What's required of me is to forgive you and to draw boundaries for my family. That is my biblical responsibility. This is my family. Heather Walton is my wife. Knox Walton is my son. Karis Walton is my daughter. And I have responsibility to place boundaries around them and to protect them. I have little responsibility for anybody else in this room, but those three are mine. And God holds me accountable for what happens inside that boundary. Forgiveness does not require access. Number four, And these next two, I think you need to hear more than anything else. Forgiveness is a decision and a direction of the heart. It is a decision and a direction of the heart. I did not say that forgiveness is a feeling or an emotion. I have news for you. If you're waiting around to feel like forgiving someone, it will never happen. Because one, you're not strong enough to change your emotions. And the enemy will play on your emotions. He will stir up your anger every chance he gets. He will stir up your grief every chance he gets. If you're waiting on feelings to forgive someone, it will never happen. Forgiveness is a decision and a direction of the heart. And here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. Saying, Lord, I can't begin to excuse what happened. But I choose to put that person in your hands. 
and I choose to forgive them. I choose to. I don't feel like it. I don't want to today. In my flesh, I wish all the judgment of God and everyone else on that person, but I choose to forgive them and I am gonna move in the direction of forgiveness. I'm not gonna stay here. I'm gonna move in the direction of forgiveness. I-95 is right there. It's right over there. It runs north and south. I think it starts in Miami. Does it go below Miami? Does it start in Miami? I know it starts in Florida, and I know it goes all the way up the East Coast. If I get in my car in Miami, and my plan is to get to New York, as long as I drive safely and I stay on the highway, sooner or later I'm going to get to New York, okay? Forgiveness is exactly like that. Forgiveness is the highway that I choose to travel on. I make a decision to get on the highway and I make a decision to head in a direction. But you know what else is on I-95? There are all kinds of exits. Some about every half mile, some every 10 miles or whatever. There's all kinds of exits. I can choose to get off 95 anytime I want to and I can take one of those exits and I can stay on that exit as long as I want to. Forgiveness is exactly the same. I can move on the highway of forgiveness and then something happens and I can take one of those exits and I can choose not to forgive that person anymore and I can stop moving in a direction of forgiveness. That's what I believe dishonors the Lord. It's not that we never struggle again. It's not that we don't have to forgive them again and again and again. What honors the Lord is staying on the highway. Staying on the highway. Or if you get off on the exit one day, choose to get back on the highway. Say, I'm not going to wallow in unforgiveness. I'm not going to let that person have power over me. I'm going to stay moving in that direction. And here's the other truth. Number five, where's my Bible? I have lost my Bible. Number five, Tom, you're supposed to flag when I drop my Bible, man. What's going on? Number five, complete forgiveness is the result of the process of forgiveness. You may not be able to completely forgive someone today. But just like the trip to New York is not over until you get to New York, you're still headed to New York as long as you stay on 95. You may not be at a place where you can completely forgive that person today. I don't care if it takes five years or 10 years or 50 years. What honors God is you stay in the direction and the decision of forgiveness. And this is what happened, and I'll promise you, because it's happened to me. You're going to wake up one day, and you're not going to think about that person anymore. You're going to wake up one day, and you're not going to think about what they did to you anymore. You're going to wake up one day and you're going to be at peace with that person and it's just going to be unexplainable and you're not sure what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. Over time, the Holy Spirit works in your heart and he changes your heart. You don't change your heart. You stay on the highway. The Holy Spirit changes your heart. But I promise you, you'll get to New York one day. You'll get to forgiveness one day. But it just matters how many exits we choose to take along the way. And that's why I say, I've met good men and women who were traveling in the relationship with the Lord, but when unforgiveness came, they got off the exit and they stayed there for years. And the Lord began to remove his fellowship. And what happens is it pushes us away and it pushes us away. And all we begin to feel from the Lord is conviction instead of fellowship and instead of blessing. 
and our hearts tend to become hard and it takes the Holy Spirit to do his work. Listen, I know forgiveness is a hard process. There have been people I've completely forgiven. There are people I'm trying to forgive right now. And I have to forgive again and again and again. I can't imagine what's been done to you. I can't begin to understand the pain you felt as a young person, what some of you are feeling right now. I can't begin to understand that. But I can't downplay what Jesus has said to us. We are called to forgive. We're called to forgive. You know, this is what I think happens. I think that kind of in our mind, we think if I choose not to forgive them, that it's like them being in a prison cell and I'm holding the door shut. That's what we think. I'm the one holding the door shut. Nobody else is going to hold the door shut, but I'll do it. I'm not going to forgive you. You deserve this. I'm going to hold the door shut. You know what's really happening? You're the one in the jail cell and you're holding yourself in. They're free. You're not free. Got to let go of the bars. Got to push the door open. We have to choose to be free. We have to choose freedom. Here's how we're going to respond. We're going to sing a final song. The praise team is going to sing a final song for us. I know all you type A's are like, you got a whole other section of notes and there's a whole other section of scripture. But the Holy Spirit has, has told me this morning, don't preach that part. So you're just going to have to build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> Our praise team is going to lead us in a last song. And this is a chance for us, for some of us, to make a decision. Not that this forgiveness process ends today. It can begin today. And you may have to go to an elder, or you may have to take a friend or a husband or wife and go to the altar and have someone pray with you and say, I need you to pray with me because if the Holy Spirit doesn't give me strength, I want that person dead. If the Holy Spirit doesn't give me strength, I never want to see him again. I want everything that judgment in this world can bring on them unless the Holy Spirit brings me to revelation. And I want us to begin to be free today. I want us to begin to be free. So we're going to stand, we're going to sing. And I want to tell you, this song is very convicting. This is a very convicting song because it starts to promise what I'm choosing to do. And I would just advise you, don't sing songs that you don't mean to the Lord, okay? William and, and, these, and these ladies, they're great singers. Don't sing things that you don't mean to the Lord. But if we're ready to commit to forgive others, let's sing this together. Let's stand and respond in any way the Lord's leading you today. Now I have decided to forgive Now is the time to let it go No more pain within my heart Oh Lord, in my strength it cannot be But remembering your love I choose to be like you. Forgiveness brings the healing of my death. Forgiveness brings the cleansing of my soul. My life is now restored. 
my soul is now transformed because today I choose your way now I have decided to forgive now is the time to let it go no more pain within my heart Oh Lord, in my strength it cannot be But remembering your love I choose to be like you me. My life is now restored And my soul is now transformed Because today I choose spoke to my heart I, I thought he spoke a word to me and I, I want to just share that with you I felt very clearly that he said that today is going to be a generational day today will be a generational day and I, I was sitting before the Lord I was thinking what does that mean what, what does it mean that today would be a generational day and I'm still trying to unpack that but what if today was a day where a curse that's been on your family for a generation could be broken because you chose to forgive. Wouldn't today be a general, generational day for your family? What if choosing to forgive today could set the generations free in your family moving forward? Wouldn't today be a generational day? Forgiveness is bigger than you and me because it impacts more than me. There are people that need us to forgive too. I think I've said enough. Our students are going to go to summer camp this week. And so we want to pray over them. 
And so if you're going to Crossroads, I want you to come down front. Uh, if your parents would like to come down front with you as well, I'm sure they like to pray for you if you're going to chaperone. We really want to pray for you, so we want you to come down front. I'd like our elders to come, and let's lay hands on our students. Ask the Lord uh, to move powerfully this week. Uh, I have never been to Crossroads with our kids that the Lord has not moved powerfully. We see students saved. We see students called to ministry every single year, and we believe this year is going to be the same. So what I want us to do as a congregation, let's stand, because right after this we'll be dismissed. And I just want you to extend your hand and let's pray over our students and our leaders as they head to Crossroads this week. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for 25 years of faithful ministry in Crossroads. We bless them, Lord. Thank you for all the staff, all the speakers, all those musicians, who this will be their fourth week of serving young people. They're going to be tired because it's hot in South Carolina and they need rest. So Lord, what I'm asking is that you anoint them right now with power to be able to have strength to lead this week with the power of the Holy Spirit they could not have physically. We ask for salvation this week, not just for our students, but for every student that comes and they'll leave knowing you. We pray that men and women will be called into full-time gospel ministry this week. We pray that lives will be changed. I pray that this will be a generational camp for our students, that it will affect the generations beyond them. Father, we'd ask for safety. We'd ask for great fellowship and unity, but more than anything, we want your plan and your will. Bless our students as they go. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a good day.